Hey everybody, welcome back to Life is Love School. My name is Yume Chang and I'm the founder. Our goal here is to teach childhood trauma survivors essential skills to live a happier and healthier life. Today's topic is from popular demand, which is how do I find a great partner if I've suffered childhood trauma or relationship abuse? This topic is a topic that I love talking about because I feel like there is a ton of content on how to find a great partner in general, but not enough material out there that teaches people who suffered a lot of trauma, especially childhood trauma, on how to find a good relationship. In psychology, there is a concept called re-traumatization or re-victimization, which is psychologists and researchers have observed that if you've been abused as a child, for example, then it's highly likely that you will be abused again in your adult relationship. Now, how do you avoid that is the really interesting question. So I hope that the video today, as well as in part two, will give you some ideas of how you could date smarter so you can protect yourself as well as find an awesome partner. Because in life, it's always more fun if you have great people around you and your partner is somebody who could walk the road with you and life is just more interesting when you have somebody to share with and pain is literally halved. And I think too many of us got scared or got burned and are afraid to go out and try again. And I hope that your takeaway from this is that even though bad thing has happened, I can learn from those experiences and become wiser so that I can do better the next time around. So please don't give up. Just learn from it and then do better next time. That's what all of us can do. So with that, I'll start with point number one. So point number one is especially for childhood trauma survivors and abuse, relationship abuse, serial relationship abuse survivors is you want to look at your relationship histories. So if you've already had a few unsuccessful, unhappy, abusive adult relationships, look into them. Like literally look at all of these relationships and see, is there any commonalities? Do I tend to date the same type of guys? I know some people, for example, have a tendency to date avoidance, right? And they wonder why, like, what is it in me that I'm attracting these people? And, and why am I you know, sticking around for so long? I knew it wasn't right after the first or second date. So these are all fantastic questions. The idea is not to blame yourself because we're all trying to do the best we can at any time with the knowledge we have. But the key here is to identify what is in me that may be unhealed that is attracting or making me keep this person for longer than I probably should have. Now, for example, if you are constantly attracting avoidance and feeling really desperate in relationships, maybe you can ask yourself, you know, what do I admire in avoidance? For a lot of anxiously attached people, it's usually, well, you know, because I feel so insecure or I constantly need reassurance, this avoidant person comes off as you know, very charismatic to me because they seem so independent. They seem to have it all together. They look so confident, right? So if that's what you're attracted to, maybe you should look at, you know, could I build that in myself? So I'm not trying to seek it from the outside because seeking something from the outside to fill up what's not on the inside, it never works. I'm sure that if you try to find happiness or find calm or whatever through acquisitions, buying stuff, you know, getting a degree, etc., you'll know that the sense of peace is super short-lived because 
your heart has a hole in it. So even if you can get a temporary boost from the outside, somebody compliments you, it will just leak through. And that's the same of trying to get a partner to complete you, to make you happy. It's an incredible burden on anybody and nobody can guarantee or to make you happy if you are not able to do that for yourself. So recognize and look at your trauma history, look at what your parents' relationships are and see if it gives you any clue as to why you would repeatedly get into similar types of relationship. Now, number two is a topic that I love talking about. It's the, the concept of the mindset. I'm sure all of you have heard of the uh, phrase, you know, you're find love when you least expect it. You know, I might have found my husband when I wasn't even looking. Um, that might sound a little bit of cliche, but there's also some truth to it. And the truth that it's pointing to is that we attract people when we're not desperate, when our life is already really awesome and the partner is additive. So if you're coming from a place of, oh, I'm so desperate, my life is so unhappy, please save me, please help me, I absolutely need you. Like that neediness energy can literally push people away. Just put yourself in that shoes and if somebody comes towards you that way, it literally makes you wanna run, right? In negotiations, there is a concept called the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. It means that let's say you're negotiating with somebody on something like in this case, it would be the relationship, right? Like a committed relationship. Let's say that's what you're looking for. So if the, the negotiation falls through, so the relationship falls through, what is your best plan B? That's your BATNA or that's your best alternative to a negotiated outcome. So if your plan B of being by yourself is really amazing because you know, your life is up here you then you're not afraid in a dating scenario your bar is going to be high because whoever comes into your life has to take your life from here to even higher grounds and you would come across as very confident very self-loving and happy and that energy is very attractive that's the vibration that we want to send out to the world where you're coming from a place of abundance you believe that whatever you want you will attract and you you can build it you can create it you're capable and that you're happy being by yourself because guess what? You have a great life that you enjoy. You love your pets, you love your friends. You maybe you have family members or mentors that support you and you have hobbies that you enjoy. You do work that gives you a sense of purpose that you feel like you're giving back to the community. All of this together makes you a very mentally and physically healthy person. And that's incredibly attractive. Now, the last point I'll end up here with before um, I'll end the video, so check out part two for more tips, is don't play games. <laughs> I mean it with the max sincerity, even though I know how to play games and I can do it very well. And I've done it before in my younger days, but I choose not to because I find it a complete waste of time. In fact, the high quality partners that you want to attract are people that also don't appreciate games. So the people that you will attract if you intend to play games are generally two types of people. One is a really insecure people. So these people likely have a anxious attachment style. So they had intermittent reinforcement growing up. Sometimes their parents gave them attention. Sometimes they were ignored, etc. So if you act hot and cold, it will trigger their primal instinct to want to cling to you. 
So these are the people that would like reach out to you all the time, like, hey, you know, I haven't heard from you for an hour, what's going on? So you'll like attract that kind of people if you play hot and cold. The other type of people that you would attract by playing hard to get is the people like narcissistic people, especially the overt narcissists. They really love a challenge. In their view, everything is to be conquered or achieved so that they can shore themselves up. So even if you play by the rule, the book, the rule, right? They teach you about not calling the guy back right away, not accepting a weekend date unless he asks you out by Wednesday, all these rules. Let's say that you just follow it to the T and you even end up marrying a guy and having kids. Well, guess what? He has a high tendency to one day cheat on you because to him, you are an object. And now that he has you, it's no longer that fun. He needs to conquer something else. So they would go through the conquer and discard cycle. So you don't wanna be there either. And also, if you play game to get someone, you were never you. So they never fell in love with you. They never got to know you. So in order to keep this person who did not love you for you, but loved this fake persona, you have to continue to act. You have to keep up the act for the, pretty much the rest of your life. Imagine being an actress in your own home for the rest of your life. I'm pretty sure you don't wanna do that. So then just don't start. Also, if you believe that you could play games to gain an advantage, because you know, hey, this is like, it's gonna trigger some like hot and cold cycle and trigger them to wanna chase you, um, don't do that because high quality men are smart, high quality women are smart and they'll see right through the game and they wouldn't want to engage. So I'll give you an example, which is when my husband asked me out for the first date, it went really well. And after the date, he immediately asked me, he said, you know, I had a great time and I would love to see you again if you're open to it. And I said, yeah, I would love to. Later, um, when I got to know him better, I asked him, did you ever wonder that your approach being so direct might scare people off or might come across as too needy? And he said, no, because I'm in a point in my life where I don't wanna play any games. I'm interested in finding a great partner. So I'm just gonna lay my cards out. And I expect the other person to also be the same way. And so I asked him, well, you know, what if I didn't give you a direct answer? What if I were to say, you know, let me think about it. He said, well, in that case, I would give you a few days and I would check back with you. But I would brace myself that the answer is likely no, but it would be okay because if you say no, I'll just move on and save my time to meet somebody else who's a better fit for me. It doesn't take away from the fact that I'm confident and I believe that I have a lot to offer. So I think what my husband says really just sums up the mindset of somebody who is really wholesome, who believes in their own value. They don't take a rejection as, oh my God, I must be ugly. Oh my God, I must be too old. Maybe I'm just not you know, good looking enough. Maybe I don't make enough money. I can't impress this lady, etc. They don't take it as a personal assault. They just take a no as a no and that's it. They move on. They go on and find somebody with better taste. So I hope you find today's um, information helpful. As always, I try to make videos that are able to lift you up even if you suffered a lot of trauma growing up. I think sometimes when bad things happen to us in childhood, we feel like we're permanently broken. And I want you to know that that's not the case at all because I certainly went through that phase where I thought that 
oh, you know, it's done. My brain is done. But now scientists know, and it's been, you know, a couple decades, they know that neurogenesis happen all the time. Not only are no new neurons being born every day, but also connections between neurons are being created every day and old connections are being severed. So if there's something, some pattern you don't like, we can work on having it be severed and then build new connections between neurons so that you start to think in ways and live in ways that are in line with the life you do want to create. So as always, check the show notes for some useful resources and I'll see you next time.